I'm going to do what Deirdre did last week. It's all right. I just move it, <laughs> move it a bit off central. There's more people than I expected today. <laughs> You've come out on the long weekend. It's fantastic to see you. So my title today is Thriving in Our Reality. Thriving, and so if you don't know what that thriving means, it's living in absolute abundance. But in our reality, our reality today, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of our reality. Post-COVID, wars and rumors of wars, gender fluidity, human trafficking, no electricity, maybe no water. We, in, we are, have a reality, don't we? And we're called to thrive in this reality. We're called to thrive. How, do we, what, how are we going to thrive? The question is, how do we live out the purpose that God has for us here, now, in South Africa? It's not a mistake that you're here in this time. The Bible tells us that. Turn with me, or you can look on the screen, to... Daniel. Daniel's one of the, it's the first minor prophet. Um, Daniel was born in the time when Judah was, was captured by the Babylonians. And they did it over a number of years, quite a long time, over about six years. And they took groups of people each time and it got worse and worse until they actually destroyed, broke down the walls of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. But Daniel was a young man, probably a teenager who was taken with the first batch of guys to the courts of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So I'm going to read the first, those verses there, three to seven. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So these were well-equipped young men in every way. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. A young man in his teens snatched from his home, his environment, everything he knew, and placed in a very different pagan society. How do you think he felt? Oh, yay, new experience. No, I'm sure he was horrified, confused. Where's God? What's going on? Why am I here now? And we can learn so much for him. We are in the kingdom of God. We are not. We are like we're in Babylon. We're in Babylon. But we belong to the kingdom of God. But to live out the kingdom of God is a different matter. To live it out, to be salt and light in this environment. How do we do that? 
Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I'm going to take five characteristics from the life of David and his friends and suggest that for you and I, we need to build on these. And they are wisdom, discernment, dependable, present, and calmness. We have the advantage of being in the new covenant. We have the advantage of the Holy Spirit with us all the time. Daniel didn't have that, and yet he thrived. He thrived in a pagan environment. Guys, we have no excuse. No excuse. So wisdom. Verse 20 of chapter 1 in Daniel, it says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding, every matter about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom after three years. Think about it. More about culture, more about the language, more about everything in three years. I don't know, I got this data. A lot of this stuff came from a man who's at Hatfield Christian Church. He did a talk to us as teachers, and this provoked me for this preach. But these were the stats he gave. Just take this in, I couldn't. Each day, this was about at the beginning of the year, 500 million tweets, 294 billion emails a day, 4 million gigabytes of data generated on Facebook, 65 billion WhatsApps, and 720,000 hours added to YouTube every day. We are drowning in information. We are drowning in it. And that makes us insecure. Because I've got to buy a new computer. <gasps> Who do I buy it from? This, one, this Google thing's that. That one says that. Who do I buy it from? Who do I buy it from? And then I feel insecure. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I get frozen and I do nothing. One of the solutions, of course, is Google, as I said, chat GTP, Bing. Here you go. How about this one? I can't read from there. <laughs> my goodness, one little Google search, and now all the ads in my feed are for arsenic and cyanide. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> How do we know what is truth? How do we know what is truth? Google, chat, GP, GP, GTP, Bing, great for knowledge. But how do we know what is truth? Truth, the definition, accurately describes reality. Accurately describes reality. Problem is, we don't know what reality is anymore. Wisdom takes truth and applies it and acts accordingly because we know the truth. Proverbs 23 verse 23 says, buy truth. 
do not sell it. Buy wisdom, discretion, I'm sorry, instruction and understanding. What is he saying when he says buy truth and don't sell it? Truth is, is priceless. Wisdom is priceless. When something costs so much, it's going to take sacrifice to get it, isn't it? We're going to have to buy it with our time, with our choices, where we spend our time, where we spend our money. And when we've got it, don't give it up for something, well, I've got this new man in my life now, and I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm just going to live up life with him. He doesn't like me going to church. Buy wisdom. Don't sell it. Jesus said, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We are at risk as Christians. We are at risk of losing our souls. Losing that ability to be salt and light because of the suppression that is there from the world. We need wisdom. So how do we get wisdom? One, three verses back in Daniel 1, 17. As for these four youths, God, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God is our source, and he's placed us here in this community. He's placed me. I can go to any one of you, and I can get different information. You have skills. You have wisdom that I don't know. I'm not going to sit all by myself and think I can do it all. I'm trusting God, and I'm hearing God through you, through each one of you. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people fails. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We need wisdom. Discernment. How do I discern? Links with wisdom. How do I discern what is real and what is not real? How do I discern what is fake news and what is real news? How do I discern what is true and what is not true. One of the first challenges that those four young men faced, we read it, was they were given the food. They were given the food of the palace. Should be good. Hey, this is a king's food. They were given his food and his wine. It should be good. Surely this is a lani place. You know, the food must be good. But they were Jewish boys who had grown up in the laws of their culture in the ways of God, and they knew there's certain things to eat and there's certain things not to eat. Many of those old laws in the Old Testament were so that the people would be healthy, very practical. So those young men, even though I would imagine it was probably, you know when you go to this huge you know, display of food and it all looks so yummy, and it's beautifully prepared and it looks so good and everyone else is eating it. They had to discern, this will not be healthy for us. Not godly either. And they chose, they discerned not to eat the food. A simple discernment. God is good, he's beautiful, and he's kind. 
we should as Christians desire to be good and beautiful and kind. How? How do we discern the good? How do we discern the beautiful? How do we discern the kind? Discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. When you read the nine gifts, Holy Spirit, discernment is there. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, it's only for a few. I really believe with all the gifts, we all have it a smattering at different times. Then some of us excel, have a prominent gift. But that doesn't change the fact that we have the gift of discernment from the Holy Spirit. So how do we get it? How do I hear him? How do I know when I'm faced with something, Lord, what's true here? What's real, what's not real? I saw a video the other day. I can't remember the singer. Very sort of not my genre of music. And they keep taking it off YouTube, apparently, because it is totally generated by an, by an AI. You know, it's a video, so you see the guy singing and everything, but he's not singing. It's totally generated by an AI. And when you look carefully in that, you can start to discern it. But you have to discern it. It's not real. It's a fake. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to fill our hearts, meditate on Scripture. Why? Because as we meditate on His Word, His revealed Word, what happens? We learn how to discern and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we do it corporately. That's why you're here today. Because you want to learn more about what God says in His Word. We do it at life group. We do it at ladies' meetings and men's meetings because we want to learn more about the Word. But we also should be doing it on our own, wrestling with the Word, coming under the Word, letting the Word read us, let the Word discern us. And what happens then? We learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as we learn to hear His voice, we can tell what is true and what is fake. Thirdly, dependable. Nebuchadnezzar grew to totally trust Daniel. Remember that you'll remember the story where um, the accounts, not a story, where Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Uh, Daniel and his guys have all finished the, the, the three years, and he says to all his magicians, You must tell me the dream and then interpret it. And they're like, Are you mad, dude? How can we tell you your dream? You tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. No, you must tell me the dream and interpret it. And we know Daniel was given the dream by God and he interpreted it. You can go read what that dream was. Years later, he has a second dream. That's where I am, the second dream. Daniel 4, verse 7 and 8. And again, this time he doesn't want them to tell him what it was. He just wants an interpretation. Verse 7, then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers, everybody comes in, and I told them the dream, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. 
at last. <laughs> Dependable Daniel. Yay! At last. Don't you love that? At last, Daniel came in before me, who was named Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream. Nebuchadnezzar knew from his experience that Daniel was dependable. Daniel interpreted that dream, but it wasn't a nice dream. It wasn't a nice, feel-good interpretation. It was, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to become like an animal. You're going to be really, it's going to be awful for, for years, but you're going to come right. And at first, Daniel doesn't want to tell him, but, but um, Nebuchadnezzar says, no, you must tell me the dream. It happened. It does happen. Nebuchadnezzar does come out of it. And you know what the end result is? He honors God. I believe he got saved at that point where he realized, actually, the only one God is the God of Daniel. And he worships him. So by being dependable to a pagan man, a pagan king, that king comes to realization of who Jesus is who God was. Jesus is not there then. As believers, we should be the most trustworthy people on the planet. Are you trustworthy? Are you dependable? Do you give sufficient resignation when required? Do you stop at the traffic light? And I could go on. Whatever God's putting in your heart. Guys, this is practical. Are you dependable? Do you finish what you say you're going to finish? And it goes two ways. We need to be dependable, but we also should depend on others. I'm all right. I can do this by myself. Two-year-olds say that. Self. But we carry on like two-year-olds, self. I don't need any help. Do you have a Paul in your life? Someone who's an authoritative voice in you, over you? Someone who you are accountable to? Someone who you allow to speak to you into your life? Do you have a Barnabas? someone who encourages you, and I could go on. Think about it now. Write it down. Who do you need in your life? Where are you being not dependent but independent? We need to be dependable, and it goes both ways. And that leads me into my fourth point, which is are we present? Are we present? What does that mean? We're required to be in situations. The world, we are fiercely independent. Fiercely independent. We don't want help. That is the way of the world these days. Very independent. I don't need church because I can do this on my own. I can watch YouTube. I can etc. etc. We are fiercely independent. Being a follower of Jesus means intentionally being there, present for people. Nebuchadnezzar is succeeded by his son, Belshazzar, 
And Belshazzar didn't really, you know, you know, dad's old people, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my own people who can tell me what to help give me counsel, etc. So Daniel became forgotten. We don't know for how long. Then right at the end of the Babylonian Empire, the Persians were on the brink of attacking. The uh, Belshazzar and all his chummies were in, a, in the hall and they were having a big party, desecrating the, the goblets from the temple. They were, do, they were just having a big party. And there was writing on the wall. No hand, just suddenly writing on the wall. Can you imagine what that felt like? I mean, even in their drunken state, <clears throat> what is this? Nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew what to do. Panic. Belshazzar's mother comes to, to him and says, there's a man you can depend on. There's a man who, you, who is present, who will help you. Who will come? Daniel. And they call Daniel, and he says, yeah, you're about to be totally taken over by the Persians, and they were. But Daniel was willing to be present. He'd been spurned. He'd been put aside. He didn't take a little miff party. Well, I'm just going to sit in the corner and mope. He was present for somebody who didn't honor him at all. A very real excuse Confession, very real excuse. I'm too busy. I can't be present. I'm too busy. I saw this, this um, quote. Busy is about our calendars. Hurry is in our hearts. Are we hurried in our hearts? We're going to be busy. It's not going to go away. With all that information coming down at us, can you imagine? We are going to be busy. We've created this monster as human beings. We've got to live in it. But how's your heart? Are you busy, hurried in your heart? Take time to send that WhatsApp. Take time to have that coffee. Take time to change that nappy. For that mom. Take time to wash the dishes. Can you see what I'm trying to show you here? It's very simple to be present. Very simple. Take time to visit that elderly person. Be present. Pause and pray. When somebody drops their groceries, stop and help. Let's be present. In our society, let's be present wherever God has placed us. And finally, calmness. I think Daniel in the lion's den, I think he needed to be calm. <laughs> I can't imagine what it felt like. Can you? He must have been calm, depending on God. Absolute amazing calmness. Whatever you're facing, whatever chaos in your life, you're not in the lion's den. might feel like it. And if it does feel like it, God can give you calmness. We live in a world of outrage, don't we? It's okay to be anger, to be angry. There is a time for righteous anger. 
But there's this outrage. I don't know if you're on groups, you know, these social media and these, your, your community groups. Ah, oh, the water's off again. Ah, oh, they're doing this. Ah, oh, where are they? This useless, that. This useless. You're never doing anything. Moan, moan, day in, day out, day in, day out. Moan, moan, moan. We get together, Christians. Oh, yeah, you know, this darn government. Have you seen in my area? They haven't done this, haven't done this. We're all doing it. We shouldn't be. We should be different. So what should we do when there is no water? Do something. Don't sit and whinge and put it on social media and on your group. Do something. Be present. Encourage the counselor. Find ways that you can make a difference. Fill the pothole in front of your road. I don't know. Let's be people who are present and doing something, little bit by little bit. We're called to bring his kingdom into all those spaces, those very real spaces that you and I face every day. The photocopier is not working. We don't use photocopies these days, whatever. The scanner's not working again today. So everyone whinges. Who goes to the IT department and says, sorry, please, can you fix it? We all just sit and wait for somebody else to do it. Christians, let's be the first to do it. So I've got four things we can do for this calmness. Firstly, and I've mentioned this, monitor our reaction. Pause. Pause. Think about what you're about to say. Yeah, yeah, no, pause. The end of every day, just before you go to sleep, ask God, where did I show your grace? Thank him for that opportunity. And then ask, where didn't I show your grace? And repent. Cultivate solitude and silence. You know, from previous preachers, I love to walk. I never take my cell phone. I want silence. Do you do that? Do you have times where you're one of those people who've got your cell phone in the shower, the bath, the loo, the wherever you go? Because they might need me. They can wait. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Spend time with him. Learn to know his voice and obey it. I love this. I don't know who said this. The picture here. Beneath the torrents of inner noise and the busyness of my ambition, beneath the chaos of my self-filling and thundering for notoriety, Hiding in the holy poverty of quiet, in the humility of sealed lips, and with an attentive, still heart, you are. Cultivate silence. Daniel lived in Babylon. How long do you think he lived there? He died. He lived and died there. Sixty years. 
60 years from a teenager till he died. He served under four rulers. And he, he, became, he became dependable, showed wisdom, showed discernment, was present for every single one of those leaders. I believe you and I are here, inside. I said at the beginning, in South Africa today, to usher in his kingdom. Wherever we find ourselves, let's stop complaining. Stop looking out for special me. Let us seek wisdom. Practice discernment. Be trustworthy, present people who ooze his Matthew, uh, sorry, Michael 6, Michael, Micah, prophet says, 6 verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Very simple, three things. Do justice. Notice it says, do justice. Don't moan about it. Do it. Love kindness. And walk humbly before you got your God. I discovered this man for my last slide. His name is, just hold it for a sec, Eugene Cho. Eugene Cho. He's a Korean. He lives in the U.S. now. He's the CEO. Church has finished. <laughs> I better hurry up. <laughs> the bell tolleth. He is the CEO of Bread for, for the World and Bread Institute. It's a Christian advocacy organization urging both national and global decision makers to help end hunger. He's doing something, eh? He's also the founder and visionary of something called One Day's Wages, a grassroots movement of people, stories, and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty. And this is what he says. And you can see he gets it from Micah. Is it there? Okay. We long for justice to run like a mighty river, but more often than not, it begins with a trickle. Be that trickle. Do your part. Start where you're at. Listen to the stories around you. Grow in empathy. Be a good neighbor. Seek justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly. Quite a mouthful, I know. But think, all you've got to remember are those five things. Lord, I need wisdom. Thank you that you've placed me with others who have wisdom in different areas. Lord, I need discernment. Get in his word. Learn to listen to his voice and do what he says. Want to come, guys? Third one was dependability. Be dependable. Repent if you're not being dependable in some area. 
Just don't do it. Repent means you don't do it again. Next time you do it better. Be present. Step up, church. Step up. And let's ooze God's peace. Our world needs it. I don't know where God has spoken to you. But let's present it to Him. The Father who loves us, who gives us everything we need for life and godliness. I just, in case anyone's feeling, I feel un, in, um, unqualified. We're all unqualified. That's the beauty of it. We, we come before our Heavenly Father. He qualifies us. He's placed you here for a reason. There's not one of you who's not here in your space for a reason. Believe it. Take hold of it. You are unique. You are special. You are exactly where God wants you to be. Let's stand and pray, and then we'll finish with a quiet song of worship. God, you are so faithful. We see your hand on Daniel in a very foreign, horrible place. And how you, because of you, you blessed Nebuchadnezzar and the other kings. And Lord, we are on the other side of the, of the covenant now, Lord God. We're in the new covenant. And Holy Spirit, we have you with us, in us, speaking to us all day. Lord, we want to do what we can do and leave the rest to you. Come like a flood, Holy Spirit. Come like a flood. We need you, Jesus. We need you.